You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. 1,000 episodes of the Locked On Kings podcast. It just feels crazy to say something like that, but it's true. And on this 1,000th episode of the show, I'm going to be joined not by a guest today, but rather a co-host, the original host of the Locked On Kings podcast, of course, from Sports 1140 KHDK and one of the uh, broadcasters on the Sacramento Kings radio broadcast team, Jason Ross, will be joining me. Very excited about that. We'll talk about the possibility of what De'Aaron Fox would be doing in the playoffs of course, recap the 1,000 episodes of Locked on Kings, a little history of the podcast there, plus more potential moves that Monty McNair and the Kings could make. It's all here for you on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, Full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December. This is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This was the seventh season for me covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. And normally I host this show solo but I'm happy to have a co-host here today. Something I wish I would do more often. Jason Ross is back with me on Locked Woo-hoo! on Kings. 1,000 episodes, Jay Ross. What you started, I stole. Uh, I brought champagne. Let's pop this open. Let's, you know, it's like a locker room celebration. Let's do it. He's holding a bottle of Martinelli's that has literally been in my studio here oh, it's not since, since before Christmas. Well, let's still pop it open. <laughs> Does Martinelli's get bad? I don't know. But I doubt it. It's 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 there for a very, very special occasion. Yes. That's well, this is one. 1,000. Because I have a list, too, by the way, of every show. We're breaking down all 1,000, correct? Critiques. So or 999 of them right yep, now. Yeah, critiques. Okay. With critiques from each one. It's like it's like that say two nice things and one, yes. one critique about each episode. Because episode 31. That was your episode. I know. 31 was Issues. yours issues so i don't know what number exactly i took over i think it was like two or three hundred in or something like that so i'm i still am am banking off the glory of what jason ross started it's it's getting a podcast off the ground is the most difficult and then i've been able to continue to run with it and i've been fortunate as the locked on uh podcast network has continued to grow i've been here but Jason Ross is the original one that uh, David Locke from the Locked On Jazz podcast and broadcaster for uh, the uh, Locked On Jazz podcast in Utah Jazz, uh, he's the one that started and founded all this, and, and you were his call to, to start hosting it. Yeah, I mean, credit to him, obviously, for just the concept, the idea. I remember at the beginning thinking, well, sure, yeah, I'll try it. I know podcasts are growing, but daily? Really? Okay. Um, will people be interested? And then, you know, you get started and then you start to get what's really encouraging is, I mean, Matt, you've been in radio for years now, but in doing the podcast for years, it's such a different thing when you get the feedback and when someone reaches out to you and then, hey, they are listening. And it's not just Sacramento and it's not just California. Like Miami Heat fans would reach out and like, wait, you li- why did you listen to the Kings podcast? We were breaking down the Kings and the Bucks or something. And you just don't know who's out there. And this audience, obviously, if you've had it grow considerably, the network's grown, 
So there's an appetite for it, and that's what's great. And let's be honest about something really quick, because I get questions about it, and I, I love what I do. I've grown up a diehard fan of the Sacramento Kings, love this organization. There's no no team that I'd rather talk about. But talking about the Sacramento Kings every day can be difficult. And even though throughout the entire life of the Locked On Kings podcast, we haven't had playoff basketball, we haven't had a winning season or anything like that, we've been, both of us, have been very fortunate to cover and talk about some pretty interesting, fun, crazy moments. I remember uh, one of my favorite podcasts I ever recorded was after uh, the Bogdan Bogdanovich game winner over the Los Angeles Lakers and getting to feel at least a, a moment of, hey, the Kings might as well have won a playoff game. Let's have fun with stuff like that. Uh, I remember listening to you when you uh, were hosting the Locked on Kings podcast, doing uh, different interviews and and. You're, you would do a really good job during the offseason, which is why I'm going to steal some of your ideas. Uh, and you would bring on a bunch of different guests and, and ask them specifically about each player, and each episode would be devoted to a player and stuff like that. It's just it's crazy to see what different ways you can use this format to uh, to present Kings talk. And I've also been really excited. My, honestly, truthfully, my favorite thing about doing Locked on Kings is the the fans and the people it's connected me with, not just guests and, and colleagues and great uh, hosts along the podcast network, but I've done fans-only episodes. And one of my favorite episodes I ever did was fans-only international edition, where I talked to a fan from... Uh, from Europe, I talked to a fan from South America, I talked to a fan from um, Asia. I mean, it's just it's crazy to think the Kings of all teams could have that kind of global outreach. Yeah, and that's what's I think so eye popping or whatever about just basketball, Kings fans, and where are they? I mean, we we think when you do this, I I don't know if if you picture people listening, but I think okay, it's just, you know some people in Sacramento checking this out, but the fact that it could be anywhere, anytime, um, listening to something you did a month ago. Like, wait, you heard that today? You just don't know when and where and how people are going to consume the content. But I like the creativity. Um, I think one of my favorite episodes was when something – I like mayhem. I like when chaos is going on. So when they traded DeMarcus, it was, you know, immediate reaction. Yes, like it. No, hate it. Uh, what are they doing? Brilliant move. Like, you get every opinion and just getting different people that were close to the team, following the team, covering the team, my own opinion – and it's just like, well, I mean, who is right? It doesn't matter who's right. Just what is your opinion on the move they made or subsequent items, too? Because there's been a lot of stuff that's happened with coaching changes and GM changes and not enough winning, but there's still plenty of things to talk about. Well, let's hope that we don't go another thousand episodes before <laughs> we're actually talking about the Kings in the playoffs. But that's where I wanted to start our actual Kings conversation uh, and it's such a, a pleasure and a treat to have you with me here for this 1,000th episode. Um, obviously, the Kings aren't in the playoffs. We wish they were. And I'm watching the playoffs, and I had a conversation about this with uh, your, your colleague on the Kings radio broadcast, G-Man. Uh, and we were talking about how this playoff so far to me has been a showcase of the future of the NBA. I think, to me, my biggest takeaway from these playoffs so far is Man, the NBA's in really good hands when LeBron decides to finally hang it up. And you look at what the Brooklyn Nets are doing. Sure, they're still a title favorite, but those guys are only getting older. And you look at the young crop of the NBA, what John Moran has done, Trey Young has done. R Julius Randle had a great season, didn't have the best playoffs. Uh, Devin Booker, what he's doing in Phoenix. I look at these players and I see what they're doing, seeing the regular seasons that they have, uh, showcasing on, on the biggest stage of the NBA playoffs. And on one hand, I'm like, wow, this is awesome for the NBA. And on the other hand, part of me is going, De'Aaron Fox should be there. 
Like De'Aaron Fox is one of these guys. Have you had that that same feeling watching going, man, these these young players are phenomenal, but we have a player like that here in Sacramento that would be doing the exact same thing if you were on that stage? 100%. I, I think the example I've used before is someone in De'Aaron's draft class, Donovan Mitchell. Great player. I bet, Matt, most people would say Donovan Mitchell is better than De'Aaron Fox. I'm not even here to debate that. Why, though? Because of his postseason success. A year ago when him and Jamal Murray went back and forth, I honestly think De'Aaron Fox is better than Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray goes on that stage, scores 40 points in the bubble like a night. I mean, he's putting on a fantastic clinic. He's elevated in everybody's mind. I have no doubt that if the Kings were in the playoffs, even if they got bounced in the first round, but let's say they played five games, we would have seen some amazing work, probably from De'Aaron and, in fact, Tyrese, and people would think differently. National, we all have the, we know, we see him every night. But I think nationally he'd be put on a different stage. Devin Booker's been good for years. He's great now. He he was always good. He's getting a chance. Luka, getting an opportunity and performing on the big stage. Now, you get guys that run the other way every once in a while. You know, there's a Paul George or a few people that maybe flounder and don't play as well. I mean, George hasn't been awful, but he's had some past playoff failures, but I have no doubt in my mind that if De'Aaron was in a series, whether it was a sweep or seven games, he would put up moments that people nationally would go, man, that guy's good. I have three comparisons for you, and these are regular season stats. And like you said, playoffs is a completely different beast, and who knows how De'Aaron would perform in the playoffs, although I think we have a good idea. But the first comparison is De'Aaron Fox to Ja Morant. And Ja, I think, absolutely shined through the play-in, shined during that uh, series with the Utah Jazz, which is a ton more competitive than I expected it to be, which is credit to um, credit to Memphis. But this season, Ja Morant averaged 19 points, uh, shot around, um, let's see, 44% from the field, also had um, four rebounds and 7.4 assists per game. De'Aaron Fox has him big time in scoring at 25.2 points per game, has him in field goal percentage at 47, nearly 48%, doesn't have him in assists, averages 0.2 less assists per game and 0.5 uh, less rebounds per game, but does have 1.5 steals uh, over 0.9 steals for John Morant. So you look at those numbers there, comparison there, and this is not an argument of who's better than who. This is just a look at the players statistically that are, are shining in the playoffs, and let's compare De'Aaron to them to see what kind of level he's on. We talk about Devin Booker, who averaged literally 0.4 more per game than De'Aaron Fox did this season, and Booker's considered to be one of the best scorers in the league. Uh, both shot a, a pretty good field goal percentage, 48 for Booker, 47 for De'Aaron, like mentioned. De'Aaron has Booker big time in assists, no surprise there. Uh, Booker's playing with Chris Paul. Then you look at uh, Trey Young, and Fox is averaging 0.1 Per, uh, points per game less than Trey Young at 25.2 to 25.3. Um, Trey Young, of course, a, a significantly better or more prolific three-point shooter, um, but Fox has him on field goal percentage at 47% uh, and assists. Trey Young has Fox by a little over two. Again, the point is comparing De'Aaron and his skill set to those three young players who are shining in the playoffs right now, I have a hard time believing that if De'Aaron were either playing for the Kings and they were in or playing for any other team and we were watching him in the playoffs right now, we would be talking about Fox. The world would be talking about Fox the same way we're talking about those three. I agree. I agree. And I think the, one, the really good example in there to me is John Morant because personally, I do a lot of my comparisons on what I see when they play the Kings. And when John Morant has played De'Aaron Fox, it hasn't been close. I mean, who's been the better player? It's been De'Aaron on the head-to-head. Not even win-loss. It's just I've always thought, 
uh, of course I see a ton of good stats from John Moran in other games against the Kings. I honestly haven't been that blown away. I was impressed, very impressed with what he just did in to get through San Antonio, the Warriors, and then to push. I mean, they lost in five, but to push the Jazz every game. So I think he has elevated his play. That's exactly what De'Aaron would do. He would do what Booker needed some help. He's gotten some help. He's always been a good scorer. Um, and then Trey Young, I'm honestly very impressed with what he's doing too, but I think that's exactly what we'd be talking about with De'Aaron. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. You can get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews with your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. You can get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked again that's a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply and of course locked on Kings brought to you by the best tasting protein bar ever that's built bar built bar has their nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavors that go oh so fast their nine OG flavors are coconut coconut almond cherry raspberry mint brownie peanut butter brownie double chocolate and salted caramel and if you're a fan of built bar you probably have your favorite flavor and you're probably willing to defend it to the death just like I am with mint brownie that should have won our uh, built bar madness back in March. I'm looking forward to next year and getting some redemption there. But you can try all nine of these flavors by getting the mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors, and most of the flavors are 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Get that box or whatever you want at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Fox made the clear leap this year of, okay, now I know that De'Aaron is the type of star. He's not an all-star yet or hasn't gotten that all-star yet, but it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. He's that type of star that when the team needs, he can put them on their back or on his back and, and carry them. That's what we saw really for the first time consistently this year from De'Aaron, whereas in the past, even though he's hit some big shots and some game winners, the tip dunk in Miami, I remember a game-tying floater against the Brooklyn Nets here in Sacramento a number of years ago to send it to overtime. He's hit big shots, also a game winner against Philly here in Sacramento a number of years ago. But we hadn't necessarily seen him just go full star takeover mode. And we saw that multiple times this year. But I thought what De'Aaron said in his postseason press conference was really interesting. He said, I learned this year that I need to be great a majority of the time if we're going to be successful. But on nights that I'm not great, I have to be good at the very least. Because in games where he was just fair or okay... The Kings were were losing by a pretty significant margin. Now, it's unfair to put all of that on Fox's shoulders type thing. That's a lot of load for one guy to carry. But at the same time, this is a star-driven league, and De'Aaron's recognized that. So, Jason, is that the next step for Fox next year? Continuing the greatness, continuing to play great, maybe playing great even more than just a, a couple weeks where he wins Western Conference Player of the Week award. But then on the nights where he's not great, 
he's very, very good consistently. Yeah, and I think this last year was a fact-finding mission for him because to, he realized it. Like, we could say it, but the fact that he said I remember he said it during the year, too, at one point where they were going through one of those losing streaks. He's like, I've got to take it upon myself, even though I think we all thought that, but sometimes he needs to realize it himself. And then his postseason uh, analysis I thought was spot on because um, at times you can see it when he turns that on. I mean, it is so visible that you kind of go, why can't you do that all the time? And I think one of the times he said he realized, like you said, how difficult it is to be great all the time. But if we're looking at great players, that's what they have to do or need to do most times. And let's take Damian Lillard. If the Kings played the Blazers and Damian Lillard was off, we would probably be saying, well, one of the reasons why Damian had an off night. It can happen. I mean, but is he on eight out of 10 nights? And I think that's the area that De'Aaron needs to start living in. And the good thing is, I don't think that's probably a crazy ask of most people. Don't you think he can do it? Absolutely. So it's not crazy. I think he thinks he can do it. I think we think he can do it. And if he does that, this team's going to, he's going to be great and this team will be better. I think he's at a point too where he recognizes that he can coast to a good performance. Right. He can always. coast and be yeah. fine. Like mm-hmm. just not play it at 70% capacity and put up great numbers and, and be the leading scorer on the Sacramento Kings. But he now recognizes coasting is not going to bring this team anywhere. Nope. I have to be. 85 to 90 plus percent for basically 48 minutes or however many minutes I'm in the game minimum if I want to give this team a chance to win. Yeah, unless they truly have a substantially better roster. But the way they're constructed now, that's the way it has to be. So there's a natural fear, and I understand this from Kings fans. Uh, De'Aaron is starting his first of his his max contract next season, uh, a five-year deal. And, of course, it's awesome to see the Sacramento Kings secure a player like that to imagine him being a king for his career or at least entering his prime. He's still not even close to there yet. Uh, But there is a natural concern of, let's say, two years into this contract, over the next two seasons, the the Kings still don't make it. Maybe they're still floating around this 8th, ninth, 10th seed. Maybe they were in the play-in scenario, assuming it's still around, but they lose those games and they don't actually make it in. There's a concern of... De'Aaron saying, man, I'm, I'm just wasting my time here. I want to go. And it's, it's impossible to predict the future, Jason. And I believe De'Aaron 100% when he says the things like, I want to be here. I want to lead this team because I recognize what that does for my career. To be the star of the, te- of the team that finally brings Sacramento out of this drought and back into the playoffs. I mean, you basically are immortalized here. And De'Aaron wants that. But... How much thought, I guess, at this point in time would you put into that, I guess, timeline or or time limit that the Kings have to get to the playoffs before you start getting a disgruntled De'Aaron Fox? I don't know that I would put any – I just wouldn't think that way if I'm Monty about what De'Aaron could think in two years. But honestly, if you paint the picture you just said and they're not – they don't make the playoffs for two more years – you probably should look at moving him. I mean, that's not what I want now, but then you'd go, we've given him six years. We've paid him. He's great. It's not working. Yeah. So I, I think that's a conversation for way down the line, but to your other point, you need to find the group that fits with him, that works with him, that other player or players that maximize what he does, fits best with him, and then gets you not only in the nine ten, but a four seed or a host of series and and really start thinking about bigger and and better things. Regardless of how I feel about 
Luke Walton as a head coach. I still have questions about him as a head coach. I don't think he's nearly as bad as some uh, think that he is. And for the most part, with his first two seasons as the Kings head coach being extremely irregular seasons, uh, I'm willing to see it play out for at least one more, hopefully normal, knock on wood Mm. year. But I do really appreciate the fact that the Kings didn't drag that out. I appreciate the fact that they said almost right away, Luke's our guy going forward. And then they doubled down on that by saying, we're making the playoffs next year. That is the goal. It's it's playoffs or, or they didn't say it's playoffs or bust, but to me, they made it perfectly clear. I know what the bar is for next year. It's not going to change whether or not they get off to a good or bad start. It's it's playoffs or nothing. And that's that's the line that I think everybody is being held to. And Truth be told, I think Luke Walton doesn't have a job if the Kings don't make the playoffs next year. I think that's fair to assume. Who knows about Monty McNair and, and, and Kings ownership. But I am curious as to how the Kings are going to approach that this offseason. Because to me, I look at this roster, I understand financially they're kind of in a bind, and, but moves have to be made. Regardless of how well the season ended with that bench unit, Uh, I do appreciate and actually applaud uh, a majority of the moves that Monty made around the trade deadline the second half of the season. The Kings wouldn't have been in in, in the position they were in without Mo Harkless and DeLon Wright and and Terrence Davis, etc. But if you run this roster back, I think you're just setting yourself up for failure and and trying to be overly optimistic that a team that's probably capped at best an eight seed is going to finally make it this year. So do you expect, Jason, a very different roster next year. And there can be different, I guess, definitions for very different. But I expect training camp to have a lot of new faces on this roster in some capacity, whether it's star players or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, they have a bunch that are already contractually obligated to be here unless you trade them. So I think it's – I wonder how many parts are connected, is I guess my question would be to the front office because Rashawn Holmes is a big decision. Now, is that – if that's a yes, we're keeping him at this price point. And it, by doing that, what is the subset of that? You know, I, I don't know. Or if we do that, then it's going to cost us these three players. Um, or is it we want to do that, but then trade these two to get this person with him and the rest of the I, – I just I feel like they've got – I don't want to say flexibility. I feel like they've got a lot of ways to go. I just don't know which way they will. It sure seems like that Fox and Halliburton are 100% a part of all of their plans, which makes a ton of sense to me. And then almost everything else is up for grabs. That could mean 10 moves. That could mean two. I just don't know which way they'll go. Um, now that you finished another full season, though, under you know a buddy contract, a Bagley contract, um, a Barnes year, I mean, you, you've got some decisions to make on all those guys that may have been harder to trade before that may not be as hard now, but I don't, I don't know what the, their market is amongst the rest of the league, what they think of those players. In your mind, what is more needed for the turnaround and the Kings making the playoffs immediately next season? What is more needed? Smaller, smart moves. A small move doesn't have to be a bad move, but a smaller, smart smart move by adding maybe bench two-way talent, another solid rookie in this draft on one side, or a swing for the fences move for a potential star or fringe all-star. If What do you think is needed more from Monty? Just small additions or a swing for the fence? Hmm, That's a tough one because do you think, I guess I'll flip this and ask a question to you, do you think if they had the roster at the end of the year from day one, they would have made it? And I don't know the answer, but I'm asking. 
I don't think so. Okay, well then, if that's if that's what you think, and if that's what Monty thinks, then you have to do something bigger. Yeah. Um, but and I know he said that he always wants to strike and be flexible so he can make that big move. But I hope he doesn't feel any pressure. To, there should be always pressure on Monty. Like you're trying to get the team. If you make the playoffs, then to the next round the next year, and then to a champion. You you've got to be seeking that. But I don't want it to be oh go get James Harden just because there's pressure to win. like. Do it if it's right. right. I mean, I mean, you would always take James Harden. He's going to make your team better. But whatever the player might be, um, I think they could do it with subtle, smart moves. But they better be good. Like those, you know, you can't really miss on. And I think what they did at the trade deadline was good. But they, that group still was a part of a nine-game losing streak. Yeah. So, um, it's a tough call. But I think the, I mean, Rashawn Holmes to me is is one of the. It's a little bit like bogey to me, where, of course, you'd like to keep bogey. But you're going to be the same team, and I liked what they tried to do when they tried to move him, and then that fell apart. Like, Holmes, who everybody loves Rashawn Holmes. But if his price point is crazy high, is, does that make the most I mean, I don't know what the number's going to be. So speaking of bogey, I'm g- glad you brought that up. This wasn't the direction I was planning on going on. But I, I've I've seen and I've heard people, I've heard James Ham, Jason Jones, multiple respected people say, if this roster had bogey this year— the Kings would have made the playoffs. And they're, they're saying that with uh, with confidence. And I, I do understand to an extent where they're coming from. And I, I do understand why Monty McNair and the Kings made the move, not wanting to cap themselves mm-hmm. out, which, look, they're almost capped out as it is anyway. But I'm seeing what Bogey's doing in the playoffs. We know that's the stage that he wanted to get at. We know he's been doing that for a long time with his play in Europe, very successful in his career. Really, the Kings are the only time in his his professional career that he's ever really lost. And I look at that move and I go, man, letting a player of Bogdan Bogdanovich's caliber walk for nothing, I understand why you did it, but you have to pay that off with something this year. Yeah. I don't think the first part. I don't think the Kings would have made it with Bogey. I I don't personally, but um, I'm not the least bit surprised at what he's doing. I don't think they got to the postseason though because of him. I, I think agree. He's thriving though, and he's made some of the biggest shots the Hawks. I mean, killer shots that they've needed, and he's the most professionally tested. Not necessarily in the NBA, but he's he's comfortable. We, he would do that here if the Kings were in the playoffs with him. You know, he would hit big shots. Um, but I don't think he, he actually was struggling for a decent part of the beginning portion of the season, then got put back in the starting lineup, had a good finish, and he's been great in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, wish they would have got something for him. I love the DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, kind of that whole thing. I loved it. Thought it made a lot of sense for this team. But if he was here, um, you sorting out him and Buddy. I don't know that you, you know, they wanted allegedly to move Buddy. I think that still would have been hard. Maybe you slow Halliburton a little bit. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think they would have made it with him. Are you making money on these NBA playoffs? Are you making money on baseball, UFC, soccer, football? Why not? Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online, the official sports gambling partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. With baseball season in full swing and the NBA playoffs going on right now, you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their runs to the NBA Finals. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Using promo code Locked On and check this out, the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a show that'll help you make money, and it's completely free. It's called Locked On Bets. Give it a listen. Do that, and I'm predicting a payday in your future. 
Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. A swing for the fences move, in my mind, going back to that conversation, is very different from a swing from the fences move from like LA or Brooklyn mm-hmm. or something. Like, to me, a swing from the fences move for them would be like a massive package of picks and young players for Bradley Beal. That I don't think is very realistic, although Monty McNair would love to put the Kings in that kind of conversation. To me, a swing for the fences type move is a a package for Pascal Siakam, a package for DeMontis Sabonis, a package for Miles Turner. Those three names that I threw out there, any of the three of them, all three of them, none of them move the needle for you in terms of that would be the piece to add to this roster. And who knows what the Kings have to send away, assuming it's like a... a, a a package including draft picks and Marvin or draft picks and and Buddy. Who knows? But just looking at those players, adding them to a Fox, Halliburton, potentially Harrison Barnes core, is that enough in your mind? Any of those three? I feel like Sabonis would be the first one for me. That that makes the most sense. That would it makes the most sense for the Kings. I don't know whether Indiana would even remotely be interested, but I think that's a really good fit in Sacramento. Um, another name that's older that I've always looked at that I thought. I don't know how you get him. He's a free agent, and I don't know why he would come here, but I feel like a player like DeMar DeRozan would fit really well. Um, I know L.A., I think he fits with the Lakers. He would fit with a lot of teams, but he's from L.A. If the Lakers are – why is he picking Sacramento besides chasing money? And then now all of a sudden you're paying him a ton, and what are you moving out? I just feel like more players that – if you're looking at what Monty does, he wants people that can play both ends. He wants people that are versatile, play multiple positions, can shoot a little bit. Just that seems to be the trend of what he's looking at. And so Holmes is great, but does he, you know, he wasn't a money pick, but who, you know, everybody loves Rashawn. I'm just really curious about the existing players that were pre Monty, what he thinks of them. You know, Buddy, Marvin, um, seemingly didn't want to just give away Harrison. So um, what's he think about those guys? I'm fascinated by the value of, um, what Rashawn Holmes is going to get in free agency as well, whether he goes or stays with the Sacramento Kings or goes elsewhere, because the big man market is such a coin flip. If if Rashawn Holmes had the, his level of production as a guard or a wing, right, I'd say he's absolutely gone because there's a, some team is going to throw close to twenty at him. But as a big, an undersized big on a bad team. What is his value going to be? What kind of money is he going to get? So that's a, one of the major question marks. Christoph Porzingis is reportedly unhappy with how he has become a distant Robin to the Batman that is Luka Doncic over there. There is a chance that he might be traded and want out. Your thoughts on Christoph Porzingis? Because most of the feedback that I've seen from just general conversation yeah. amongst Kings fans has been, no thank you. Like on the same level almost as Kevin Love. I'm probably more there, but in defense, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Luca, and I think he's, Matt, to me, I don't know what you think about this, but I feel like he is getting down the road of James Harden, Houston. Yes. And Russell Westbrook, where people would say, well, look, he shares, what did he have in game seven? Like 14 assists and 46, I mean, he was amazing. But there was like four possessions late in the game that I remember just, it just jumped out to me that. Dallas got the ball, outlet to Luka, which makes perfect sense. Dribble, 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 dribble. And he either created for himself or someone else. And that's, it's not like he's selfish, 
But the Clippers get it. Outlet to Reggie Jackson, up to Batum, over to George, over to Kawhi. Boom, boom, Morris. Like, it's moving. And I think he would be a tough player to play with in one sense where if you're as good as Kristaps Porzingis, where you think you're maybe an A or a 1A type player, you kind of have to wait for him. Whereas, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul, like a lot of people can thrive in other systems. He is very ball dominant, yet he gets assists. So it's a, I guess it's a long way to say if Porzingis was in the right system, would he be better? And I, I don't love what I see with him in Dallas, but if he was on a team that was sharing and moving the ball, he has a lot of skill. So my initial reaction is no, not interested, but I think it would be, you know, a lot of people are talking about, well, Luka needs a running mate. Who is that person that can play with him? That Because Luka's never off the ball. Like De'Aaron getting off the ball this year was progress when Halliburton had it. Then you could throw it to De'Aaron and he goes to work. Luka needs to have it. And he'll still find people, but I think he's finding people that probably Dorian Finney-Smith's not generally getting a shot, but he's going to feed him an open corner three. He can knock that down, Maxi Kleber. But when you're Porzingis, I need to do my thing. So I think, I don't know, it's early in Luka's career, but I need I want to watch that to see if he's, that makes sense, if he's difficult to play with. Because he does distribute the ball, but kind of on his terms. We'll wrap up with this. Three Kings names you talked about just a little bit ago. Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley. Any gut feeling on whether or not one, two, all three of those guys will be returning to Sacramento? I think it would be hard to have all three back and think, you know, it's a little bit what I said last year about Bogey. Like, I loved Bogey, but I'm like, if you bring Bogey back, like, you're the same team, why are you going to be out of the in the playoffs? So if you come back with that group, why are you going to be in the playoffs? Uh, just because it's a new season, same same coach, uh, hoping for injuries from other teams. I don't know. Kings were relatively healthy this year. Barnes seemed to be the one that was the most interest. I was not that interested in trading him last year, but not just like the Celtics rumor, where like kind of like two young players and a pick. I'm like, they need something established. Harrison Barnes is established. He was having a great year. Um, I think you have to look at Buddy. I'd look at Bagley. Um, I wouldn't turn down anything for Barnes if like if you got the right deal, but. To me, I think the targets are Bagley and Buddy. To me, moving on from Mar- uh, Harris, or gosh, over oh, three. Uh, <laughs> moving on from Buddy. Heald. You had the champagne, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Maybe yeah. a little sip or two. Yeah, uh, some little pregame before the the podcast started. Moving on from Buddy Heald to me still is a top priority. Mm-hmm. I know the contract makes it significantly is more. He down difficult. to two years left or three? Uh, three. Yeah. This was just the first year, and next year's twenty two, then twenty, then eighteen, and then Barnes has two years of twenty and eighteen yeah. left. Uh, and then Marvin makes, what, 11 next year? And then he goes into contract negotiations yeah. pretty soon, too. So not easy contracts to move. Although, I mean, part of the win of moving any one of those contracts is just moving the contract, let alone what you can get back. But I'm very interested to see if Monty can find a way to creatively package some of those players together. Maybe it is Buddy and Bagley together with a couple of first-rounders mm-hmm. this year and a future first and seeing what kind of package you could get or player or two you could get in return for something like that so Monty's going to be on the phone or I hope Monty's on the phone all summer long it'll be interesting to see what uh what kind of roster this team has coming or come training camp later on uh this year but J Ross 1000 episodes of the Locked On Kings podcast thank you again for getting it off the ground and allowing me to take the torch from you and thank you for continuing to be a friend here of the pod uh since uh since I took it over and I look forward to doing a celebration episode number 2000 with you in hopefully a couple seasons, three, or four, years, three yeah. four seasons goes fast when the Kings were NBA champions. 
Oh, I like the sound of that. Let's celebrate. Oh, episode I'm on the number... pod. If it, it, if that's happening, I'm on. That that's a 24-hour pod. Episode 2000 from one of the floats of the Sacramento Championship Parade. <laughs> How awesome would that be live? Calling the shot. Yeah. Let's see if I fall short or not. Thank you, Jay Ross. <laughs> Thank you. That'll do it for the 1,000th episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Thank you to those of you who have been with us for all 1,000. If you've been with us for 500, if you've been with us for five, you are the best. Can't wait to spend 1,000 more Locked on Kings podcasts with you here on the Locked on Podcast Network all off-season long, all regular season. We are your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage in podcast form. And I look forward to having you back with me for episode 1,001 very soon. Until then, my name is Matt George. For my temporary co-host, Jason Ross, have yourself a fantastic day. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.